This host is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much appreciated. All right, the Leafs are finally getting back into game action after a four-day break. Calgary is coming to town. The Flames had won four in a row before getting slaughtered the other night in Edmonton. Now they're in Toronto for a quick two-game set Friday and Saturday back-to-back. And to join me to talk about it is the wonderful Haley Salvian for a Flames beat writer for The Athletic. Haley, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I've been bored the last few days because, like, when <laughs> this is pretty much the, the longest stretch I think the Leafs have had this season where they've had that four-day break, kind of their bye week. I think the Flames had it really early on in the season, but for Toronto, mm-hmm. it, it came late. It came at a perfect time, mind you, but it's like after you're used to watching a game literally every other night in this condensed season, the last four days has been like, I don't know what to do with my life. It's <laughs> I have more yeah. time on my hands, and it's just confusing. Yeah, the break that the Flames had early on, it was it was a week where they had no games after playing. I think they had three games, and then they had about they had over a week off before another game, and it was just the most bizarre timing. And I mean, it was it was okay timing for the Flames because they had so many new pieces that they were trying to integrate into the lineup and you know there was you know a short training camp no preseason so it was okay timing but it was also very weird because after that break things just started to fall off the wagon a little bit in Calgary (laughs) Um, so yeah it was definitely you know there's no great time for for a time off like that but I think it was probably better for the Leafs um, you know give them a little rest before they start gearing up down the stretch because things are starting to get pretty tight in the North division. So having a couple of days off is probably a good thing. Yeah. I mean, the, the Leafs were coming off a stretch. They played eight games in 14 nights in four different time zones. Um, it, they just looked tired and they looked off and, and they looked like they needed a break. So I'm thinking that this break uh, should, should be good for them and they kind of needed it. They've lost five of the last six and coming into town are the Calgary flames who look kind of a little invigorated. Now, obviously things didn't go so well the other night in Edmonton. Um, but what do you make of, of kind of what, uh, uh, coach Sutter has done so far with this flames team? Yeah, well, the thing about Daryl Sutter is that he's, because of the timing of this, it's not like he can come in and make huge um, systems changes, but there are style things that he can change. So he's not going to do a complete overhaul of, you know, how they run the power play. How do we do this? How do we do that? Because it's difficult to to really come in and integrate that in the middle of the season, especially one where like you said, there's games almost every night, your practice time, you know, drops a little bit and then your practices are a little bit shorter, they're higher tempo. At least that's the way that Daryl Sutter runs a practice. Um, So it, you know, there hasn't been huge, um, you know, 
systems changes, but what he's done is he's changed the style and the way that the Calgary Flames play. There's a lot more accountability. Uh, they're playing much tighter. They're, you know, playing, you know, more defensively responsible. Um, you know, I think I've, I've, you know, one of the things he's done is the the forwards are um, playing, you know, more tight. They're playing, you know, with more defense in mind, which is really helping the blue liners as well. That was one thing that Noah Hannafin said the other day when I asked, you know, just with everyone buying into a defensive structure, how much easier does it make your life on the blue line? You and Chris Tanev and Gio. And he said, it's really huge because hmm. it's not just all coming down on the blue liners when everyone on the five man unit is playing, you know, with defense front of mind. So I know some people kind of were saying right off the bat with the first three games, like, oh, great. Like this is the Daryl Sutter you know, every game's a slog. It's not fun to watch, but you know, at least with the first three games in mind, where they they went three and zero, they the first two games they only gave up uh, two goals, so one goal each. Um, you know, that was some of the higher pace and tempo that they've played at. Um, you know, for away teams, when you're stuck in the neutral zone or you can't get through, your your team's not creating much offense. And they're not getting any sustained offensive zone time. I can, yeah, I can see how that's boring for like a Habs fan or an Oilers fan, but the Flames fans were pretty, pretty happy about it. So, you yeah, know, I think the the biggest thing is that they're playing tighter. Um, obviously the game against Edmonton last night, they got away from the way they're supposed to play. Um, they gave players like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl way too much space. Um, they weren't playing tight. The, the Oilers were just faster. They were harder on pucks. The Flames really couldn't keep possession. Um, so they got away from the way that Daryl Sutter wants them to play. Uh, and obviously that was reflected back in the 7-3 score. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the way that they rebound from that, especially going up against a team like Toronto, where yeah. similarly, if you give them the same space that they gave McDavid and Dreisaitl, I mean, Matthew Kachuk probably said it best. He's like, the Leafs are probably licking their chops, looking at the way we played tonight. So, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what, what I was thinking when you're sitting here saying, yeah, they gave them up way too much space to guys like Dreisaitl and McDavid. I mean, if there's anybody who loves to have their space, it's guys like Matthews and Marner and allow them to do their thing. So kind of, I guess, what is, uh, what's, what's the expectation here that Edmonton's going to have to do in order to limit that, or that Calgary's going to have to do in order to limit that? Yeah, well, they're going to have to, it's kind of the things that I mentioned of the way that Daryl Sutter wants them to play. It's going to have to be a lot tighter. When the Flames have the puck, they're going to have to be smarter. It's going to be short, quick passes with lots of puck support. That was the one thing that was really noticeable against Montreal was, you know, when they were breaking up the ice, they weren't they weren't getting fancy with it. It was just, you know, they were supporting each other. They were making the, you know, the simple play. Um, there was quite, you know, there's been quite a bit more dump and chase. They're not, um, you know, they're not ripping through the neutral zone or seeing anything fancy. We're not seeing the drop pass to Johnny Goudreau up the middle, uh, which a lot, we, which we saw a lot of, especially on power play and uh, even strength. Um, so I guess against Toronto, they're going to, and it sounds so cliche, like I hate hearing this from players and I, I'm saying it myself, but they're really just going to have to focus on those details that Daryl Sutter's trying to instill to them. It's going to be, you know, you're going to have to play tight and you're going to have to take away that space. And, you know, it's just the way that, that this team has to play. They don't have the pieces 
um, up and down the lineup or in the top six to match up against the Edmontons and the Torontos in a run and gun style. Cause if you try to get into a track meet with the Oilers or the Leafs, like you're not going to win eight, seven, (laughs) as good as you want to say the flames are, they're not going to, they're not going to spot you for eight goals. hundred percent, hundred percent. And and I look at this roster and, you know, we kind of went back and forth about this uh, in last week when Sutter first took over the bench. And I said to myself, this, this roster is built a lot better for a structured coach like Sutter. They don't have, you know, that the, enough X factors. I guess you could say Johnny Goudreau is, you can call him an X factor player. He's, he's a, he's a, an elite talent, but they don't have enough of them to, play the way that they were playing they were giving up too much and they just didn't have the offense the supplementary offense to you know come back and and I think that you're right the fact that this team's gonna have to play a little more reserved a little more structured and I feel like the depth on this team not only just you know on the back end I think they got a a pretty good young crop of defensemen and then they got a little couple grizzled vets in Tanev and Giordano but also up front you know I think they have some good depth there as well that would rather play a tight and structured game so to me I think that this team is, is better built for success with the way that Sutter wants to play than they were before. And to me, that would be exciting if I'm a, a Flames fan, that they made this coaching change and, and we're seeing some success early on. Yeah, definitely. I think it's just going to be about getting the buy-in from everybody, not just the depth players. Um, because the thing is, is you know when, when you think of Johnny Goudreau, you're not thinking of dump and chase. You're thinking of a controlled zone entry. You're thinking of you know, his speed, his, his puck handling skills, you know, uh, I think it was in 2018, 19, when he was fourth in the heart and he had his career year, 99 points, 36 goals. One of the things that he was doing at an elite, elite level was entering the zone with control, the puck making and making a play. Um, and that's, you know, typically what you think of when you think of Johnny hockey, it's the vision, it's his speed, it's his ability to break into the zone and, and I'm not saying that Johnny's not going to buy in. I'm just saying that when we talk about this system as a whole, when you have a guy like Johnny Goudreau dump and chasing, that's not exactly lending to his particular skill set. So I think it's going to take some time for certain players to adjust to that, to adjust to, okay, Daryl wants us to play this way. He wants us to simplify, um, but also sticking with your instincts and what your skill set is. So I, I think there are some players who are still in that adjustment period um, because being told like, this is the way we're going to play. Let's do it now. Um, we saw that three game bump, but it's not easy to just all of a sudden change your habits on the drop of a dime. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that for the, when you're looking at the roster as a whole, I think the system will work better. Um, but again, it's going to take, it's going to take the buy-in from players who have maybe been in Calgary for a while and haven't had that kind of system or they haven't had the um, accountability that Daryl's going to bring. Um, you know, I did a, a Q and a with Brad tree living yesterday. And, and the one thing that he said was, you know, Daryl, this is a 24 seven thing for him. And you know, it, everything he does, it's calculated and everything is crucial and everything is to win. And he demands that from his players. Like if he's putting 100% into the job, he wants that from all of his players. Um, So I think, you know, that could be seen as, as a shift from maybe some of the coaches they've had in the past. I know there was some issues with one of their coaches, you know, 
right. you know, being too much of a player's coach. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see the way that things work out. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, Johnny Goudreau is in trouble or anything. Um, I think I would agree that this system is going to work better for the Calgary Flames. I think it's just going to take some time um, for everyone to kind of have that complete buy-in. The buy-in was easy to see after you win three, but then last night it's 7-3 loss. You're like, okay, now it's up to the Flames to prove that they can change that don't fall back into bad habits and truly buy in and, and do what Daryl's asking of them. Yeah. Like that new coach bump only lasts, you know, a few games and, and it seemed like last night that new coach bump kind of ran out a little bit, but how can they respond? Right. I think that's what the flames and, and what flames fans and what they're going to be looking for on, uh, on Friday. Um, you know, you, you talk about how this team still still in the fight, right? This is a team that's still contending to try and make a, a push here into the playoffs, and I think making a coaching change obviously states that. Um, but after everything that's gone on this year with them and kind of their slow start and, and a poor middle of the season ended up changing coaches, what would you say is the expectations here for Calgary this year? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I asked that of Brad Living after the Daryl Sutter move was made. And I just asked, like, you know, does bringing in a coach like Daryl to try to turn things around show, you know, or send the message that the expectation is the same? And he said, you know, absolutely. You know, the expectation is the same as the start of the year. They want to make the playoffs. They want to be a playoff team. They want to try to contend this year. Um, and you know, obviously they put themselves in a, in a pretty bad spot to be able to do that. Um, and, you know, Daryl's going to come in and they're going to try to fix that. But as of right now, the expectation is the same. It, it hasn't changed. They still want to be a playoff team. And, you know, the thing with this division, like we were already talking about with, with so many games, um, you know, there's games every other night. And so we're going to be able to see quite quickly if this works or not. Um, and so if the Flames, because, you know, when before they hired Daryl, they were six points behind the Montreal Canadiens for a playoff spot. Um, they won three straight. They lost last night. <clears throat> Montreal won one, and then they lost one in, in overtime. So now they're three points back of a playoff spot. But it's significantly better, you can say, than they were last week. So once we have, you know, another handful of games and a bigger sample size to look at, we're going to know quite quickly if that expectation remains the same if they're still in the playoff hunt um because if you look through the standings everyone's pretty tight together even yeah. vancouver's back in it you know it's back to being you know i mean i wouldn't even say the leafs are 100 percent no, at the top right now just the way not. how tight it is it's just you know we don't know um so that's the that's the big question right is when the deadline comes and because it's coming and i think it's going to start earlier with gms being the deadline it's Okay, so are the Flames going to be looking to add a piece? Like, are the Flames going to be in a place where they've played well enough to be in contention for the playoffs, be in a playoff spot where Brad Tree Living can go out and make a move? Or are they going to be in a place where they're like, okay, let's recoup some assets because we're out of it? Um, so it's a right now the expectation remains the same, um, and it could stay the same through the next couple of weeks, but it could also change quite quickly if things don't turn around. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. 
Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, it's going to be a weird trade deadline. And, and I think I saw Frank Cervalli was talking about this today as well, saying that the fact that you've got all six teams outside of Ottawa, like still competing for those four spots, you're not really going to see these guys selling off. And you're going to see Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, Edmonton looking to bolster their, their lineups and, and try and go for it. Or they could, like you said, decide like, okay, let's just see what we have here and not give up the future just in case it's not. We'll see. There's still a few weeks left. Um, I, I know that the, the Leafs are, are going to be looking to make a move, and Kyle Dubas came out and talked about that the other day, I believe. Two days ago on, on the podcast, I talked about that. So if you guys want to hear what my thoughts are on the Leafs' approach to the trade deadline, go check that out from a couple days ago. Um, but from an outside observer, Haley, I'm just curious how – you view the Maple Leafs this season and and whether or not you think that this is a team that has an opportunity to actually win this year and whether or not they should go for it. Like as an outsider who's covering the flames and and don't have like a, you're not here every day, I guess, you know, what, what's your opinion of Toronto this year? Yeah. I mean, I think that the Leafs were for many weeks, the, you know, arguably the best team in the National Hockey League. Obviously, I think it's still the Carolina Hurricanes right now. Um, I know they lost five five of six, um, yeah. but I, I just I don't think it's – I'm not buying into the panic that I've been seeing everywhere. I still think that's a really good Leafs team. They've got some really, really impressive top-end talent. I think they have some of the best star power in the league. I think Austin Matthews is – you know, an incredible goal scorer. Um, you know, they just have so much talent. I think there's obviously some questions about what they're getting in terms of their goaltending right now, which seems to be a common question. Um, I, I don't know if Jack Campbell is going to be back for the Calgary series, but if it's a Freddie Anderson Hutch situation, that could work a little bit in the Flames' favor. Um, <laughs> Based just, on uh, Hutchinson's just, previous outing, yeah, that, that didn't yeah. go over very well. I, we're hoping, I think Campbell was out on the ice, so uh, I think they're okay. hoping that he'll be available. Uh, I am also assuming that Wayne Simmons, who's been on the ice for the last couple of days, uh, skating with the regulars, will also be back this weekend, who I think could give Toronto a nice little boost. Uh, we've seen him before give this team a little bit of, of energy and, and give that give them this team that edge that they've kind of been missing over the past little bit. Um, but, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about Calgary, but this game specifically to me seems like a big game for Toronto, right? Like you said, they've lost five to the last six, and they've seen their lead atop of the North Division just evaporate. At one point, they were up by double-digit points. They had, a, you know, a couple games um, in hand that, like, Winnipeg and Montreal had, but in terms of points, it's completely evaporated. By by the time that we wake up tomorrow when that Edmonton Jets game is over, because we're recording this Thursday night, surprise people, <laughs> it's going to be released Friday morning, um, you know, they sit just two points up on Winnipeg, and they could be tied by the time that this podcast hits the airwaves. So, you know, for Toronto, I think coming off of a pretty poor two weeks, uh, which I've somewhat just chalked up to poor play over the past few games, 
kind of for them being tired. Like I mentioned earlier, eight games, 14 nights, four different time zones, right? Like it's it's just a tough part of their schedule leading up to this massive break. And I think it came at a good time. But now with four days off, refreshed, recharged, regenerated, I think it's time to get going again. And and for the Leafs, they got to get off to a strong second half of the season. And that kind of starts with this game here against Calgary. Now, I'm sure the Flames also are looking to pick up as many points as possible as they try and keep themselves in this playoff race, this really tight playoff race here in the North Division. So, Haley, my question to you is, what are kind of the the keys to the game, maybe your three keys that Calgary needs to do to try and pull away with two points tonight? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think on the other side, just to what you were saying about the Leafs, like it's going to be a big one for the Flames to get up for too, just after such a huge loss against the Oilers. Right. Um, You know, they're going to have to get back to that style that Daryl Sutter wants them to play. So it's going to be an easy one to get up for, um, for both teams. Um, In terms of their three keys, you know, they're going to need a rebound from Jacob Markstrom. He was very hard on himself after the game last night, Um, obviously letting in seven goals. Um, and, you know, Daryl Sutter said after the game, he didn't think once about pulling Jacob Markstrom. He thinks he's an excellent goaltender. He trusts him in the net and he wants to let his goalie kind of battle it out with the rest of the guys. Um, so I think you'll need to see a rebound from Jacob Markstrom. You can't, like I said before, you can't let the, a team like the Leafs score, you know, five, six, seven goals against you because the Flames probably aren't going to be able to match that. Um, so that's probably the biggest one. Um, the other one is just, as we mentioned before, too, you know, they're going to have to play tighter defensively. They're going to have to do a better job of taking away time and space from players like Austin Matthews and, um, you know, William Nylander, Mitch Marner. You can't let them, you know, get a ton of space and speed through open ice and you can't leave Austin Matthews wide open. They're also going to have to, you know, not take any lazy penalties. That was one of the, that was one of the big problems last night too, is, you know, they kind of clawed back into the game and then they took two really what Daryl Sutter called were lazy, really lazy, bad penalties in the second. Um, and Edmonton scored, I believe on both of them almost right off the bat. And then the game was kind of out of hand from there. Um, so that's going to be a big one too, is just, you got to keep, you got to stay out of the, stay out of the box and don't let, the Leafs who have a pretty good power play or they have good power play weapons. You just can't let them go out there. You can't go down the man advantage. Um, so this would be the big ones, goaltending, playing tighter, getting back to that um, system and style that Daryl wants them to play and just don't take any of those lazy penalties. Would you say that this team, like let's say they, they, they do give up a bunch of goals early and let's say they're down three, nothing early or they end up losing the game. Is there like some sort of fragility to this Calgary lineup where if they coming off of a 7-3 loss, if they lose again in a big way? Because I feel like that's kind of what happened their first little skid. They had a couple of, of big losses and just never really regrouped. Is is there some sort of fragility in that lineup where they just won't be able to regroup if, if they don't get a big win in this one? Yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the issues that this team had before Daryl Sutter came in was that they didn't, and I don't know if it, I don't know if it's fragility or, or what it is, but you know, they, they didn't have great responses um, to being down. They, you know, they just hadn't shown an ability after putting themselves in an early hole to, to get out of it. Um, that was one of the big issues was that, you know, they would always say, you know, we've got to stop chasing the game all the time. We've got to try to, you know, play with a lead. 
And that was one of their big issues because they would always, not only would they get into like a one to two, three goal deficit in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, they wouldn't be able to claw back out of it. Um, so I don't know if that's a fragility and execution, whatever, a leadership, was it a coaching issue? That was one of the big questions um, about this team. And, and I unfortunately don't have the answer to it, but um, certainly we saw the last couple of games, maybe not last night again, but we did see a little bit better of a response from this team. Um, you know, the, the Montreal Canadiens scored, scored one goal against them in, in, you know, the first game to cut the lead in half and, um, the flames came back and, you know, didn't give up any shots and they had sustained pressure in the Montreal zone. And that was a good response. And then the other Edmonton game, you know, the Oilers, it was uh two nothing. And then the Oilers scored two to tie, I believe, but then the flames, you know, or maybe it's three, three. And then the flames, you know, came back and, you know, they won that game uh, four, three off a game winner from Noah Hannafin. And that would be a good response. So I would say that that was, and, and then obviously, you know, we didn't see that response in that seven, three loss, but again, that loss was a return back to a lot of the issues that plagued this team at the beginning of the season before Daryl Sutter was brought in, um, right. I guess, two weeks ago now. So um, that was definitely a problem before. And that's something that Sutter is trying to fix. Well, that kind of leads into my three keys, because I think the the first and foremost, the number one thing that the Leafs need to do is get off to a good start. They've been slow starters of late, and it's a big reason why they've lost five of the last six games. They, they, they need to start the game right, not give up the first goal. And and here's the thing. They've had four days off. So it could kind of go one of two ways, and it usually does. Either you start off a little rusty or you just go completely balls to the walls. And, you know, Leaf fans, they're going to be hoping for the latter, and hopefully they can get off to, to a good start uh, in this game because I think that is going to be important, and that's going to be key uh, to to beating Calgary. The second key that I think is, is puck movement in the offensive zone. And you kind of mentioned um, that was a big reason to how – Edmonton found success, right? They stretched them out in the defensive coverage and stretched it out a little bit mm-hmm. and got into the high percentage areas and kind of opened fire from there. You know, Markstrom is coming off a game where he allowed seven. Um, so I think scoring early and often, maybe you throw him off a little bit, shake his confidence coming off of a bad game, and you can keep capitalizing on that and kind of play a full 60, which leads into my third key. And, and at the end of the day, I think that, you know, the Leafs need to win the goalie battle. That has been... Like, Freddie Anderson has been the second-best goaltender on the ice far too many times this season. Um, And we know Markstrom's going to want to come out and bounce back after giving up a touchdown to Edmonton. So I think Anderson is going to need to be ready to go tomorrow night and really give the Leafs excellent goaltending because that's exactly what Markstrom's going to do for the Flames. You know, and I think the I use the phrase, like, oh, the Leafs just ran into a hot goalie way too many times recently. And I that can't be the excuse for every loss. Anderson needs to be that hot goalie that other teams run into if this team wants to get back onto the winning ways and look like the cup contenders that they are. And going up against an elite talent like Markstrom, who's looking to bounce back, Anderson's going to have to match that play and certainly needs to win the goalie battle for the Leafs to get that W. Uh, so those are kind of my three keys that I think that the Leafs uh, need to win against Calgary uh, quickly. I guess I already mentioned it, though, but sounds like Wayne Simmons will return this weekend, as will Jack Campbell um, in net. They're hoping he will be back by Saturday. We shall see. I really hope that's the case. 
We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. And Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is between salted caramel and cookie dough chunk. This is basically a one versus one seed. I don't know how they got paired up together in the Sweet 16. It's just, uh, wow, that is going to be a toughie. I don't even know who I'm going to vote for. I'll maybe have to flip a coin to decide because they're both terrific, terrific protein bars. But who are you going to vote for? Go to BuiltBar.com or do at Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. But Haley, before I let you go, I, I want to quickly discuss uh, a little bit of NWHL content here because you know you you cover the the league and and you're a big advocate for the NWHL. So I thought, uh, who's better to talk about it than Haley Salvian? Because the NWHL playoffs are picking back up next weekend. Uh, the semifinals, unfortunately, the playoffs. If if you're you know you don't follow it as much and, and you're not too sure, they got canceled because of COVID a couple months back and. I don't know. Was there always a plan that this was going to pick up? I felt like this news kind of came out of nowhere just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I would say that there was always it was suspended was what they said um, with the hope that they would be able to do it again. Right. Um, so the way that the plans changed, obviously, was to do just a weekend and have a semifinal, two semifinal games in the finals on a Saturday and Sunday at Warrior Arena um, outside of Boston, where that's home of the Boston Pride, um, which is obviously a much smaller undertaking than having a, you know, two week bubble slash not bubble because it didn't have, you know, the full, it didn't have the full, you just can't call it a bubble. It was bubble light. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one of the teams, though, that that is going to that they're still around, right? One of the four teams still alive is the Toronto Six, who's kind of a new expansion team into the NWHL this year. Um, how cool of a story is it that they've been able to? Uh, they what had the fir- the number one seed going into the playoffs? Um, how much of a chance do you think they got at winning this thing next weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because it's been a really long journey for the Toronto six. There'd been so many different attempts or rumors of the NWHL trying to expand into Canada. They, you know, it first happened a couple of years ago and the CWHL was still around and it didn't happen because the players said, you know, there wasn't, you know, they're playing in the CWHL. So they said no. Um, and then there was a, another try where the league, once the CWHL folded, the NWHL said, you know, we're prepared to expand to Toronto and Montreal to give you guys a place to play. And the players who then formed the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, uh, I don't think they liked that very much. They said, you know, our, you know, the body's not even cold yet and you're working on expansion. So that rubbed a lot of the players the wrong way. So that kind of stopped, that halted the plans once again. And then obviously this third time it's worked. But then there was COVID. So, you know, it was announced in April and then they got to come back and play in this tournament. And then, then the tournament got suspended and now they're coming back. But they do have 
um, that semifinal berth, I think they have a, a pretty good chance. I, I do believe that they're, yeah, they're the number one overall seed heading into this playoffs, but you know, they're playing against the Boston pride who are technically the number four seed, but that's, they've consistently been one of the best teams in the national women's hockey league. They have a ton of flower, firepower, excuse me. And they're playing in their own rank, as I said, at warrior arena, just outside of Boston. So I think it's going to be, you know, a really good semifinal matchup between the two teams. Um, but, you know, the Boston Pride have one of the best defenders. They have a really great goal score. They have a good goalie. They had, a, you know, they started really, really slow in the bubble. Um, so I think they have maybe a bit of a chip on their shoulder coming in as the fourth overall um, seed out of four. They're, you know, the, the last seed really in this uh, playoff bracket. Um, so they're going to be, you know, they're going to have that chip on their shoulder. And as I mentioned, you know, that's, been one of the best teams in the league for for a couple of years now um last year before the isabel cup final got canceled they were you know they were almost undefeated the only team they'd lost to was minnesota i believe it was minnesota no it was connecticut excuse me um but that was the only team they'd lost to and that was supposed to be the finals in boston last year um and then that got canceled due to covid i was actually supposed to be there. Um, I was about to book my flight and then all the stuff with travel started going and I was yeah. like, maybe I shouldn't fly to Boston tomorrow. Yeah. Um, actually I was supposed to but... be there for a hockey tournament in, in June. I was supposed to go out there and like the same thing. We were actually yeah. in March, we we're looking to book our flights and I was like, Oh, is there a Red Sox game going on that week? I was going to be there calling hockey for a week. And then COVID hit and it was like, Oh, are we even going to have this yeah. tournament? And it, yeah, just like you, it never actually happened. And I never went to Boston. Yeah. I was like, maybe I shouldn't do this, but you know, I think one of the things that myself and a lot of the, the media members who've covered the NWHLs, you know, we were calling this the Boston pride revenge tour because they didn't get a chance to lift that trophy after a near perfect season. And obviously the bubble wasn't, you know, a great start for them. So again, I think that, you know, the Toronto six, they have a, you know, a nice, you know, Arch, it's been, a, it's been a long time coming. The NWHL's wanted a team in Toronto. Um, you know, they've got their team now. They've got some players who used to play in the CWHL. They have Digit Murphy as their coach. Um, but, you know, it's it's obviously going to be a pretty stiff challenge against Boston Pride. Yeah, it sounds like it. It really does. Uh, so, you know, uh, from Locked On Leafs, we want to wish our uh, kind of a sister team, the Toronto Six, all the best of luck next weekend as they try and uh, get past the the Boston Pride and try and end up raising the Isabel Cup and becoming the champions in their inaugural season, I guess, technically. Um, all right, Haley. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today. Before I let you go, I do need to get a prediction from you of what you think is going to happen this weekend between the Leafs and the Flames. Um, I'm really spot. bad at predictions. That's why I don't <laughs> bet. Um, let's, uh, you know what? I, just because I like chaos and I think people would go crazy in Toronto, <laughs> Sorry, I'm from Toronto, so I'm allowed to say this. I grew up in Toronto, so it's fine. Um, but I do think, you know, it's going to be really important for the Calgary Flames to, to have a big comeback. And I think, you know, I can't imagine that um, Daryl Sutter <laughs> was very happy after last night. So I'm going to I'm going to say that the Flames are going to win the first and, you know, maybe they'll split the series. I think if the Leafs don't come away without at least three points in this series, it'll be considered a failure. I, I really I believe that because 
like like we talked about, the the Winnipeg Jets are right on their heels. We sit right now. This, this the game's not over between Edmonton and Winnipeg, but Winnipeg could win tonight and be tied with Toronto. And they've got a lot of games against each other going forward. So, you know, Toronto, they got to start winning these games now after, you know, seeing their lead at the top of the division really diminish. And I think that that all starts against this game against the Flames on Friday. Hopefully a pretty good matchup again on night two of the back-to-back on Saturday. But I think it's going to be a great series. you got two teams who uh, are kind of um, – looking to win for different reasons, but still looking to rebound and come out with a victory. And, and hopefully that transpires to be some good hockey. And I think it will be uh, Haley. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You'd subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Have a great weekend, folks. Enjoy the games. I'll talk to you again on Monday. Keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.